This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Okay, <clears throat> welcome everyone. Shalom Aleichem. Welcome back to the uh, International Shabbos Project, Shimru Project of uh, Hilchos Shabbos. And uh, thanks everybody for joining us this afternoon. For those in America, Freilichen uh, Erev Chanukah. For those in the UK or Eretz Yisrael, and actually I was thinking, um, here it's Hanukkah, so many probably would be interested in learning Hilchah's Hanukkah or other Limudim relevant to Hanukkah, but truthfully, Hilchah Shabbos is so essential for Hanukkah, as we know, the Yivanim wanted to be Mavatel, the mitzvah of Shabbos. And therefore, by our learning Hilchah's Shabbos, we are counteracting the attempts of the Yivanim, and uh, what better way to uh, demonstrate our triumph than by learning Hilchos Chanukah. I want to remind everyone, if you want to review this year, you could catch it on Torah Anytime. You can now catch it on Shas Illuminated, and uh, I believe the OU website, and uh, it's now available on podcast. I see every week more and more people are uh, watching it on the, or listening to it on the podcast. So we're up to the third Malacha, Malachas Koitzer. So, um, Three is a chazaka. So if you if, if you join us for this third one, so uh, you're in it. You're in it for the for the long run. The third malacha is koitzer, harvesting. Where was high harvesting used in the mishkan? We mentioned many times. Where was planting used in the mishkan? They planted herbs to be able to dye the various curtains and and uh, other tapestries. And they had to plow the ground, and of course they had to harvest it in order to be able to utilize the various dyes for the sake of dyeing. So now let's get what are the uh, what is the avmalacha, what are the toldois, and what are the isuri durabanan. Sorry, I'm just gonna mute everyone. <coughs> so the avmalacha, the Rambam says first of all, is there a shear? Is there a minimum amount that one has to? Harvest to be chayiv. The Rambam says kigroigres. The amount of a dry fig, if you harvest that amount, one is chayiv. The Rambam says it is not limited to figs. One who harvests grain or legumes or one who is boitzer, that is the term of harvesting for grapes or one who picks dates or one who collects olives or one who picks figs. Even though in Hebrew all of these uh, different avamalachos, uh, they're all basically the same thing. They have different terminologies Goider for Tamarim, Boitzer for Anovim, Moisek for Zesim, Oira for Te'inim. They're all the same thing. The Rambam says they're all Av Malacha, they're all Achas. Each one of them says, the Rambam, what are you doing? You are Oiker, Davar Migidulav. You are uprooting something from its origin of growth. That is the Av Malacha. What is the Tolda? The Tolda is Toilesh. Toilesh means detaching. Detaching is a tolda of koitzer. Anyone who uproots something from its source of growth is koitzer. For example, let's say you have a pebble and or a rock, and there's grass growing on the rock. So it's not growing in the earth, it's growing on a rock. Or, let's say you have dotter. Now I'll tell you the truth, I had no idea what that was. So it's a good thing I'm learning Hilcha Shabbos over here, because I'm learning English as well. Dotter, I looked up, is... Uh, one plant that is a parasite on another plant. So the plant's not growing on the earth, the plant is growing on another plant. That is also toilesh. Or, let's say you have weeds that are growing on top of a barrel. 
if you uproot any of these things, you are chayiv midairaisa, because anytime you cut something off from its source of growth, one is chayiv for koitzer. And now we come to the Yisurei Durabanan. The Yisurei Durabanan is, let's say you take something out of a flower pot that has no holes. So it's not attached to the ground. It's not being nourished from the ground. That's only a drabana. Now why is it even a drabana? It's a drabana because you're uprooting it from its source of growth, but we're going to see that is not a typical way for something to grow. <coughs> uh, furthermore, if you have a honeycomb and you want to remove the honeycomb from its hive, so it resembles, it is somewhat a symbolic or similar to removing something from its source of growth, that is an Isr Drabanon of Toilesh. You cannot climb a tree on Shabbos, whether the tree is fresh or dried out. You can't, roll up, you can't lean on a tree. You can't use anything attached to the ground, we're afraid you may pull it out. What if a, a fruit fell off of a tree on Shabbos? You cannot eat it on Shabbos, because if you come to eat a fruit that fell off a tree on Shabbos, you may pull off the fruit on Shabbos. Can you smell something attached to the ground on Shabbos? So it depends. If it's a hadas, if it's a myrtle, that its only function is to smell, and you're not going to eat it, you're allowed to smell it on Shabbos, because you don't need to pluck it. We're not afraid you're going to pluck it, because you could smell it just fine while it's attached to the ground. But if it's an esroig, or... An apple, you are not allowed to smell it on Shabbos because you may pluck it to eat it. Now, another thing. Can you sit on a tree stump on Shabbos? If it's below three tfachim from the ground, you're not allowed to sit on it. But if, if it's, excuse if it's above three tfachim from the ground, that's called using a tree. If it's less than three tfachim off the ground, you could sit on it on Shabbos because it's considered on the ground. Now you say, why am I learning about this? This is Hilch- So I'm going to tell you, this is relevant to Hilchas Chanukah. How? Your menorah needs to be more than three tfachim off the floor. Why? Because otherwise it's considered on the floor. So the same way, you're not allowed to use a tree more than three tfachim off the ground, because then it's a tree, but below three tfachim it's considered the ground. So too with your menorah, you cannot uh, have your menorah less than three tfachim off the ground. You can't ride on an animal on Shabbos. So none of you, I don't want to see you riding on an elephant on Shabbos or, or on a camel or any of those other animals that you usually ride on because we're afraid that while you're riding on your elephant, you may pull off a branch and you're going to pluck it to uh, whip the elephant or, or the horse or whatever you want to ride. Okay. Now, the Gemara on Daf Ein Gimel, Ahmed Bey says like this, What's Koitzer? Koitzer, Boitzer, Goider, Masik, Oira, whether you're reaping grain, grapes, dates, olives, figs, they're all the same thing, they're all considered the Malacha of Koitzer. Now what if a tree is shriveled up? It is the opinion of the Magin Avram, who understands the Rambam this way, that you'd be chayev for removing a branch, because regardless of the state of the tree, one would be considered koitzer. Actually, I want to segue into source 3. Source 3 is very interesting. And that is, Abayi says, Hayman de tolash pitra meuna de chazba. Somebody who cuts off, who removes, who uproots a mushroom from the handle of a pitcher. So again, you have a mushroom over here. It's not growing in earth. It's just, it's a fungus that's coming out of a clea. 
you're chayiv, it's koytzer doiraisa, because you're oiker davar migidulai. You're uprooting something from the place it's growing. So the Gemara asks, wait a second, but if you take a plant out of a pot that has no holes in it, you're not chayiv. That's only a drabanan. So why a mushroom that you take off a, a, a pitcher are you chayiv and a plant that you take out of a, a, a pot that has no holes in it, there you're not chayiv. And the Gemara says a very important principle. It depends what the typical way for something to grow is. A Something usually does not grow in a pot that has no holes in it, because it can't really be nourished properly from the ground. Therefore, it's not considered really mechuber lekarka, and if you uproot it, it's only a drabonon. But a mushroom, that's where a mushroom grows. It doesn't always grow from the ground, it grows on a kli, and therefore that would be a doiraisa. Now that's a very important concept, the way something typically grows. Now what if a branch falls off a tree before Shabbos and there's an apple on it? Can you pluck the apple off on Shabbos? So there are more rights in Simon, Shin, Lamed Vav, Sevches, a shoot of a tree that fell off on Erev Shabbos and their fruits, you could pull off the fruits on Shabbos. Now, Again, we mentioned that um, potted plants. So the Gemara on Shabbos says explicitly, Abaye says, Parpisa, and I'm in source 5.1, perforated pots. If there are, okay, this is a very important halacha. You have a perforated pot, so the pot has holes in it, and it's on the ground. If you lift it off the ground and you put it on poles, you're chayiv for toilesh. You uprooted it from the ground. Why did you uproot it from the ground? Because a potted plant that has holes in it, the, the pot is able to nourish from the ground through the holes. The, the nutrients and even the reach and the sustenance of the ground rises up through the holes of the pot. And therefore, if the pot is on the ground and you lift it up higher, you are chayiv on Shabbos. Or if the pot is off the ground and then you put it on the ground, that is considered planting. So taking it off the ground is toilesh. Putting it on the ground is planting. Now, Rashi is bothered by Akasha. Because Rashi seems to be bothered that somehow when you lift the pot off the ground, the pot will no longer be nourished from the ground, which is not entirely true. Even when you lift the pot off the ground, the nourishment still goes up into the, into the pot. Rashi therefore says that when the Gemara says, when you take a pot off the ground, you are chayiv. Rashi says it doesn't really mean you're chayiv. It's lav davka chayiv. We know when the Gemara says the word chayiv, chayiv means midairaisa, biblically. Um, Rashi says you're not really chayev for taking a pot off the ground and ma- making it higher. Or the Gemara means it's asr, it's prohibited, because it's similar to toilesh, but it's not mamish toilesh, because the ground still is able to convey nutrients to the plant. However, the Rambam in Hechosh Shabbos Parikhas Dalid, he takes the word chayev Literally, the Rambam writes, if you lift it off the ground and you put it off on poles, you're chayiv for toilesh. Now, as we mentioned, if there are no holes in the pot, then taking the pot off the ground and lifting up is an iser drabanan. 
taking it off the poles and putting it on the ground is likewise <coughs> an Isser Drabana. Now we come to the fun part. What do I mean by that? <coughs> I mean as follows. Let's talk about Koitzer. Koitzer has, harvesting has two aspects to it. Number one, you pull something out of its source of life and vitality. There's another aspect, you obtain the item, it was until now attached or not accessible because it was connected to another entity and now you obtain it. So there are two elements of Koitzer. There is cutting it off from its life source and now obtaining it as a new entity different than it was previously. <clears throat> so listen carefully, Rabbi Sai. Any, uh, just checking, any fishermen over here? Yeah? Do, do we have any volunteers? Any fishermen or fisher ladies? Right? Um, so the Gemara says like this. Yeah, uh, Okay. That's important to know. Because the Gemara says, Amr Shmuel, dog If you take a fish out of the sea, if uh, the fish dries up the an, uh, an area of a sela, which is a coin, if that amount of the fish dries up, you're chayev. Rabbi Yossi Baravin says, it has to be dry between its fins. Ravashi says, even if it's not mamish dry, it's still mucusy, but if it's not wet, you're chayev. Now the Gemara doesn't say what you're chayev for. I would have said, and probably you would say, you're chayev for a netilas neshama. You're killing a living being. However, the Yushalmi in Parag Zayin says, the rabbis of Caesarea said, once we're on the topic of fishing... They said if you trap a fish and anything that you separate from its source of life, you're chayev for koitzer, you're harvesting. The Yushalmi says going fishing is harvesting. That is so strange. The Rambam on the other hand says that if you shecht an animal, you're chayev, but not only if you shecht, not only if you slaughter, if you take a fish out of its bucket and you leave it until it dies, you're chayef for choinek, you're chayef for netilas neshama. And not only until it dies, but if it dries the amount of, that it's dry between its fins, that it can't live, you're chayef for netilas neshama. The Rambam is clearly understanding the, Yusha, the Gemara different than the Yushalmi. The Yushalmi says going fishing is harvesting. The Rambam says no, going fishing is... Natilas Neshama is killing a living entity. Why did the Rambam invent a new explanation for the Bavli? The Bavli says if you go fishing, you're chayiv. The Bavli doesn't explain why you're chayiv. The Talmud Bavli does not explain the rationale why you would be chayiv for going fishing. The Yushami explains you're chayiv because it's analogous to harvesting, namely, you're removing something from its life source. Why doesn't the Rambam learn the Bavli this is for, um, through the explanation of the Yushalmi, that the reason you can't go fishing is because it's harvesting. So your excellent uh, booklet over here brings, <clears throat> your excellent booklet brings from the Sefer Meital, who says that the Rambam cannot understand the Bavli like the Yushalmi. 
And that is because, according to the Yushami, that the reason you're going fishing is because you're harvesting, then why would the Bavli have to say, you're chayiv when the fish dries up? Why does the fish have to dry up? As soon as you take it out of its life source, you harvest it. Regardless if it's dry or if it's still wet. Even if it's still wet, you took it out of the water. And don't say, well, if it's still wet, you could put it back and it would still be considered connected to the water because the Rambam Paskins, that if you take a pot with a hole in it off the ground, you're chayyeh for harvesting even though you could easily put it back down. So the fact that you could return it does not make it chayyeh. Does not exempt you. The fact that you could return something does not exempt you. So why the Rambam says, when the Bavli says, if you go fishing, you're chayiv, the, the explanation cannot be your chayiv for harvesting, because then it should not be conditional upon the fish drying. You should be chayiv for taking it out immediately. Therefore, says the Rambam, the Bavli holds your chayiv for killing, and the Yushalmi holds your chayiv for harvesting. Now, the million dollar question is, why does the Bavli not hold your chayev for harvesting? And I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. I hope they forgive me. I'm going to tell you the explanation of the Meital, and I'm going to tell you my humble explanation. The Meital says that the reason why the Bavli holds your chayev for harvesting is because you could ponder what is the essential element of harvesting. Is the essential har- element of harvesting cutting something from its life source? And that could explain to you, Shami, that when you take a fish out of the water, you're chayyeh for harvesting. Or is the essential definition of harvesting that you are creating a new entity that beforehand it was attached to the ground and it was subservient, subordinate to the ground, and now by uprooting it, you're giving it its own identity. And that's the essential element of harvesting. Well, in that case, that would be the explanation of the Bavli. Because if the definition of harvesting is giving something a new identity when before it did not have a new identity, that does not apply to fishing. Because fish were a separate identity even while they are in the water. They were considered not... Uh, a, an independent identity in the water, and nothing new is created when you take them out of the water. So the Bavli perhaps holds that harvesting is not applicable to fishing, because the Bavli understands the essential element of harvesting is creating a new identity. It used to be subordinate to its life source, and now it's no longer. That doesn't apply to fishing. While the Ushami holds that the essential definition of harvesting is some, cutting something off of its life force, and in that case, that, that uh, applies equally to fishing. Now, if I could add one humble suggestion, that maybe the Bavli agrees to you, Shami, that the essential definition of koitzer is cutting something off from its life source. But would you say that water is the life source of fish? Fish don't grow out of water. They're not nourished from the water. It just happens to be, in order for them to live, they must be in an environment of water. But taking them out of water, is that called taking them out of their source of life? They're a Baal Chai, they're a living creature. 
their source of life is independent. It's just they need to be an environment of water. I'll give you an example. If someone takes a human being and brings them to Neptune, are they chayyah for harvesting? Because there's no oxygen in Neptune. I'm not a, I don't know that for a fact. But let's imagine there's no oxygen on Neptune. I would not say that someone who takes a human being in a spaceship on Shabbos and brings them to Neptune harvested the human being. The human being is a living entity. It has a living, it has an independent source of life. Planet Earth is not the makoim gidulai of an Adam. That just happens to be the environment that they could, they could flourish in. The Earth is the source of vitality and sustenance of a plant, but the Earth, but, but water, I don't know if we would say it's makam gidulai of the fish. Maybe that's what the Bible holds. Okay. Next discussion. We explained that if somebody waters grass on Shabbos, it could be planting. It could be plowing because you're rafuye ara, you're softening the ground. What if somebody pours gasoline on earth on Shabbos? You're not planting, it does not enhance the plant growth. Maybe it doesn't soften the ground. But you're ruining the weeds. And you're causing the plant's growth to stifle. Is that koitzer? Is that koitzer? It's suggested here, according to the Meital, maybe it's not koitzer, because you're not creating a new entity. The entity of the plant did not change at all. You're not obtaining it. Regarding are you cutting it off from its life source, so the Ktsois HaShulchan, Rav Chaim Noah, he wants to know if somebody uh, is uh, mashed and its own urinates on the grass, so you're not planting, and maybe you're not plowing, but are you koitzer? Are you uprooting something from its source of growth? So he says, look, the meraglayim is not going to absolutely inhibit the plant from growing. It might stifle it slightly, but not significantly enough to be considered koitzer. But to pour on the grass gasoline or some kind of acidic um, property, that, says the Reb Chaim Noah, might be koitzer, because in a way, you're causing the roots to wither completely. Now, I could agree with that. I think uh, the way we understand things, it's brought on the sheet here, that according to the Meital, it should not be koitzer, because you're not creating a new identity. It was always subordinate to the ground. It still is, it's just its, its roots might be dead. But... Maybe the case could be made to understand the Shulchan, and namely, that if you're going to kill the roots, you are literally cutting something off from its life force. Maybe that would be considered koitzer. Okay, I want to share with you briefly um, a little halachalamaisa. You ever get tempted, you're walking in a grass field, are you allowed to walk on grass on Shabbos? The Mechaber says, in Simon Shin Lam and Vav Sif Gimel, you're allowed to walk on grass on Shabbos. What if the grass is very long and you're likely to uproot grass? It doesn't matter. It's not your kavana to uproot the grass. It's not inevitable that you're going to uproot the grass. And therefore you're allowed to walk on the grass on Shabbos. Let's say you see one of those very lovely dandelion, those white fluff balls. 
and you want to give it a little kick, or better yet, you want to blow it. Are you allowed to do that on Shabbos? You can't. That's Koitzar. Even though the dandelion seed is not fully attached, but it's attached enough that it's considered being nourished on the ground, to intentionally go and kick it, you're considered harvesting. I would say you're also planting. You're planting those seeds. But today we're talking about harvesting. So to kick a dandelion laden with pollen, that would be koitzer. You're walking on a field. Let's say there are delicate plants there. That if you step on them, there are flowers there. They will crack. There are thistles there. They will break. You're not to walk there on Shabbos. You're allowed to walk on regular grass, even very tall grass. You're allowed to walk on grass because grass is flexible. It's not your kavana and it's a not a psikresha. But if it's delicate plants or it's thorns, it's thistles, that you are allowed to walk on. One of the most interesting things I've ever come across, I just saw right before the share. Because the Bir Halach and Simon Shinlam Edvav Sif Gimel says that there's a difficult smog. By the way, I hope I'm allowed to do this. Once I mention the smog, I have to tell you the smog on Hanukkah. The smog on Hilchas Hanukkah asks that in the whole Gemara Masech Shabbos that talks about the miracle of Hanukkah and the way they legislated Hanukkah, it says in the next year they established a Yom Tif, that we say Halal, which is the recitation of Halal, and we say Al Hanisim, and the smog asks, what happened to the lighting of the menorah? The lighting of the menorah is not mentioned in the Gemara Masech the Shabbos. The Gemara doesn't say that they enacted to light the menorah after the Hanukkah story. And uh, interestingly, the uh, Rebbe Tzalo Jolti answers the question of the smag that when the Gemara says they established Hanukkah to thank Hashem, thanking Hashem is expressed by lighting the menorah. So the Gemara is telling me the objective of lighting the menorah, and the Rambam then codifies the way we thank Hashem is through lighting the Okay, I'm sorry for adding that little Hanukkah tidbit. But the smag says that one may not walk through tall grass on Shabbos. And the Chafetz Chaim in the Be'er Lacha asks, what do you the Gemara says explicitly, you're allowed to go through tall grass on Shabbos. The Gemara doesn't differentiate. And the Be'er Halacha says, the smag is talking about running in tall grass. You're allowed to walk in tall grass because that's not a psikresha. But to run in tall grass, that is what the smag means, that we're not allowed to go in tall grass on Shabbos. And therefore the Bir Halacha is inclined to say that even though you're allowed to walk on grass on Shabbos and you're allowed to walk on tall grass and you're allowed to run on short grass, you should not run on, in tall grass on Shabbos. This is the only time in my life I ever saw the Aruch HaShulchan quoting the Mishnah Barah. Says the Aruch HaShulchan, I see that there are those who want to be machmer and say that you're not allowed to run in tall grass on Shabbos, says the uh, Aruch HaShulchan, you can't make up new decrees. The Gemara says, you can't climb a tree on Shabbos, you can't ride an elephant on Shabbos, you can't ride an animal on Shabbos, because you might pluck a branch. Why didn't the Gemara say, you're not allowed to run in tall grass? The Gemara doesn't differentiate walking, running. 
And therefore, the Archa Shulchan says, don't pay attention, we're not bound by that Chumrah. But then in parentheses, he brings the Bior Halacha says, you should be Machmir. And the Archa Shulchan says, we're not bound by this Chumrah. Rav Shomer Zalman also is lenient that you're allowed to run in tall grass. Rabbi Ribiat wants to say, uh, Mr. Paris, or Mr. Paris, I'm going to get to you in one second, that Rabbi, Rib- Rabbi Ribiat wants to make this machlokes dependent on the following. When you're running, in every stride you take, it is not inevitable that you're going to um, pull out grass. But in your little sprint, in one of those strides, it is inevitable that, that you will pull out grass. So the Bir Halacha perhaps holds that since in this running, somewhere you'll be definitely pulling out grass, it's prohibited. And the Aruch HaShulchan of Shomazam Norbach hold, in each stride, it is not inevitable. And therefore, it is the opinion of the Aruch HaShulchan, you may run in tall grass on Shabbos. So to me, that was a very interesting uh, machlaikas. Okay, well, hold over here. Um, the Paris is a question. I'm happy to take questions for a few moments. Just a quick one. What qualifies as tall grass? What's the definition of tall Okay, so it's... How tall does it have to be to be tall? We don't have any definitive measurement. It would have to be a grass that has the height that if you would run in it, it would be inevitable that it would be torn. But there's no... Halacha does not give a definitive measurement of the height of the grass. But regular, ordinary grass on your lawn, that, that's definitely permitted not only to walk on, but to run as well. Now again, it's interesting. For a side reason, we don't run on Shabbos. And that is... Uh, it says, "You're You're supposed to uh, walk gently on Shabbos. That's from the Mayedidos, and we darshan um, the from the pasuk, I believe, in Yeshaya, that you should walk. Your strides on Shabbos should be more calm than your strides during the week. But that's more of the Shabbos spirit. Here we're talking about the technical malacha, and namely. Uh, if for whatever now you are allowed to run to Shabbos on Shabbos for a mitzvah. What's a mitzvah? To go to shul or to greet your rebbe. These are those are mitzvahs. So, in those instances, if the grass is tall, then according to the Mishnah Brura, it's better to avoid. According to the Archa Shulchan, it's permitted. Wishing everybody a freilich and Chanukah. Bez Hashem, hope to see everybody next week in the next malacha. Yes. Yes. How are you? I, I, I didn't know that you accept women into your shield. Openly. <laughs> so I have a shiloh. That's my shiloh. I'm sitting behind the computer so not to be seen. Okay. Uh, and here you're accepting women. So you, can you answer that shiloh for me? Is that acceptable? You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.